Hello and welcome back to The Inspired Attorney. I'm your host, Sharon V. And in part two of our conversation with Lisa Linsky, she shares with us more about how she creates a work-life balance. She also talks to us about how she manages stress. And we talk about the importance of managing fear and how you should always believe in yourself. Lastly, we talk about how teamwork and collaboration will make you a better attorney. When you were starting to craft your work-life balance, so to say, how did you deal with the fears that came up with um, creating that balance? <laughs> well, I had a bigger fear of losing my marriage than I did anything else. <laughs> and so when my, when my spouse came to me about seven years into my big law career and said, you're never home uh, with a child, a daughter, um, you're, not, you're never here for dinner. Uh, by the time you leave in the morning, we're just getting up. And when you come home, we're asleep. This isn't working. I feel like a single mother. And I don't want that. It was a real uh, blast of, of like cold water in the face kind of moment. And I realized that I am who I am. And I have a certain professional work ethic that I to be me, I have to live up to that. But there had to be some give and take. And I, I really needed to carve out time where I was home a few nights a week for dinner, even if it meant coming, you know, coming upstairs to a home office and, and continuing after our daughter went to sleep. But but really showing up because I wasn't. And I don't say that with um, you know any pride. I say it with great humility because I think it was a mistake. Uh, but I learned from it and I changed it. And so I think it's very important not to give in to any kind of culture of fear. You know, we, we hear a lot about cultures of fear today because of the state that our country is in. And I, I won't get into that right now, but I will say that our workplaces can be microcosms of those bigger, broader cultures of fear. And that's never healthy. It's never a healthy environment to be in. So find what works for you. You know, if you're the kind of person who needs to work out on a regular basis, don't give that up. If you have a family and you need to be home for dinner, then work as hard as you can and as efficiently as you can while you're at the office and come home and really be with your family. You know, for myself, I would in the beginning, come home and I'd have dinner and I'd set the table and I'd help with dinner and help clean up. And then Mackenzie would go to sleep. But I have to be candid here. It was on my mind. Time is it? Okay, I just lost two hours there. I have to make this up. That means I'm going to be staying up later. I mean, this was on my mind all the time so that even though I was there physically, I wasn't really always there where I needed to be. But in time, you know, it's like an exercise. You keep practicing and you get better at it if you make it a commitment. And you know what? Our families and our friends, they, they deserve that. They deserve that same kind of commitment that we give to our clients and to our, our organizations and to our work. How do you deal with stress when it comes up? Well, <laughs> it depends on the day. <laughs> and it depends on and it depends on the type of the stress. 
Um, again, with you know, age and maturity and uh, professional growth, I would like to think that I've gotten much better at handling stress. Uh, things that would have concerned me or worried me 20 or 25 years ago, eh, they don't bother me so much. I don't worry anymore whether I'm going to be effective if I have an oral argument or I have a brief due. Will I get it done? I don't worry about things like that anymore because obviously I got that covered. Uh, but if I'm facing a deadline, which I, as a litigator, I often am, um, and you know I have too many things on my plate, uh, you know it can it can get stressful. Let's be honest, it can get stressful. What do I do to counter that? I meditate. I have a daily meditation practice that I swear by and I think is has been instrumental in keeping me grounded, centered, and reminded of what's important. And also reminded that the work that I do, I'm very fortunate to get to do it. You know, sometimes when we're stressed out by work, we think, oh, I hate this, or I hate this job, or I can't wait till this assignment is over, or this brief is in. What I've learned, particularly through this meditation practice, is really be in the moment. So if you have a deadline, want a brief, or you're preparing for a trial or a deposition, try to embrace it and try to enjoy it, because it won't always be here, you know, for all of us, for any number of reasons. It's not necessarily always going to be there for us. So enjoy it while you have it and try, you know, it's like, it's like worry. You know, I, I'm an age old warrior. You know, I come from a long line of warriors, in my family. but over time I've come to learn to let a lot of that go because it doesn't really get you anything, anything positive, anything productive. For some people, worrying may be the jolt they need to get started if they're procrastinators. That's not my way. I'm not a procrastinator. I think worry, like stress, is their habits. Their habits. And like any habit, you get used to them. And when you get used to something, it's familiar. And then it's harder to give it up. So I think it's a matter of being present, and conscious and saying, this is not serving me, I'm going to give it up. And then taking those baby steps to give it up. In terms of taking those baby steps, because oftentimes, and this is somewhat um, what we're all dealing with right now, how do you push past the uncertainty of, is this going to work? Or just uncertainty in general about the moves that you're making? Yeah, I think it's probably... The, one of the biggest human mistakes to look for certainty in our lives, whether it's our, our personal lives, our own health, uh, our professional lives, nothing is certain. Nothing. You know, I've heard so many people speak about the pandemic and all of the multi-layers of, of implications, whether it's jobs or personal finances, health, uh, our healthcare system. I mean, it's the pandemic has exposed so many vulnerabilities in our modern society. And I've heard in those conversations, people saying, I just feel like everything is so uncertain, as if that's a new revelation. 
about life. Guess what? It's always been this way. It's always been uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen from this minute to the next minute. We don't know. And so, you know, for me, and I guess this circles back to to the question about handling stress, I'm a woman of faith. It's very important to me. I realize that doesn't work for everyone, and that's fine. But for me, having faith in something outside of myself, the universe, God, whatever you wish to call it, really helps me to navigate this life and to have sort of this notion of believing and feeling and coming from a place of faith rather than coming from a place of knowing or certainty. Because I once read this book, it was a wonderful book, wonderful book by a doctor. The book was called Kitchen Table Wisdom. And this woman, very, very wise woman, had, from the time she was a child, had just terrible health problems and suffered her whole life. And one of the big takeaways of the book for me was, if you live in a place of certainty and of all-knowing, you've eliminated all possibilities for yourself. It's only in living in that uncertainty or coming from a place where you hold your life as a truly blank canvas, is everything possible. And I like that better. That works for me. That works for me. What did you do when you were working at um, the beginning of your career and also to now with some of the things that you've seen in your work? How did you handle that uh, mentally? Was your meditation practice or are there certain things that you did to be able to deal with everything? Yeah, you know, doing the kind of um, uh, work, family violence related work that I did for so many years, um, I, I am reminded that the first six months that I was doing that work, I came home and cried every day, every day, because I was overwhelmed and so saddened by the stories that I heard children who had been violently, uh, physically abused and sexually abused and women whose, you know, husbands and boyfriends had beaten them or killed them. I mean, the, the stories were, were just heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. And then one day there was like a light switch that flicked on. And I realized, look, it's no coincidence that I was drawn to this work. So I'm going to hold this as I was brought in to do this work to help and to bring justice where we can and to give some dignity back to some of these victims of these horrible crimes. And so in order to do that job, I had to toughen up, you know, I had to develop something of a, um, um, I call it like a compassionate detachment. I don't feel that I ever, then or now as a lawyer, I don't think I've ever detached to the point where I'm numb or not feeling because I don't think I could serve any of my clients if that's the person that I was. But I do think that for any profession, look at doctors, look at the things the doctors deal with. If they didn't have sort of a compassionate detachment so that they could really 
do the work that needed to be done, then they wouldn't be serving anybody. So I think that that was, you know, that was a big milestone for, for me. And, and also having colleagues who were doing similar work and, and building that team, you're building that camaraderie with your colleagues. I can't overstate how important that is. I remember the days, even at, at, at the firm, when, you know, we would all stay late and work and we'd order dinner in together. And, you know, it's, it's been different. Well, now, of course, it's different because of the pandemic. But, but even the last few years, you know, people have families they get home to and dogs and cats and all that stuff. But when I first started in big law, that was a thing. People would, you know, get together and order in dinner and we'd hang out and we'd talk about our cases and our work and get people's opinions on things. It's, it's building that community within your organization that can also make a tremendous difference in terms of giving you the sustenance and the support that many, many of us as lawyers really need. And so to, to silo yourself from your colleagues, I think is a critical uh, uh, career error for, for so many reasons. You touched on something I find is so important because so often we think that we need to go it alone and we're so afraid to reach out for help. But the moment you reach out for help is the moment you get stronger, really. I couldn't agree more. And I don't think that we were meant to navigate this life alone. Um, and maybe it works for some people. I know it wouldn't work for me. Um, and I am someone who, I remember, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So, so I was in the school musical, my senior of high school. So I was all of 17, 18 years old. And I played Mrs. Anna and the King and I. And I remember the first day of rehearsals. I, I showed up after school at the rehearsal. And I looked around. It was a big cast because we had kids and we had all the king's wives and we, we had a pretty big cast. And of course, we had a full orchestra because I went to a large city high school. So it was a big group of people. And I don't know how I knew this, but on some level, I just knew that in order for this production to be successful, we had to create, I'll use the word community now, I don't know that I would have known that word then, but some sort of a team where that we, we were all in this together and we were all enrolled in making this a successful production. And I have to tell you, uh, they still talk about that particular show. I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back, but people tell me the school, like it was, it was legendary, right? And so when I think back on what made that show so special, it was this coming together for a common purpose to do a kick-ass job on this production. And that's what we did. And I have to tell you, I learned so many life lessons from being involved in that production that I implemented throughout my legal career. And one of them was this notion of building a team and building a community so that people are pulling together, rowing together in the same direction for that common goal. And I think that's what made our LGBT diversity inclusion project so successful. It's the same, it's the same theme, if you will. When I look back on my life and career, you know, I I see that thread in all aspects of my life. And I'm 
very grateful that, you know, uh, somebody gave me that ability to have the insight to recognize this because it's a, it's a good skill to have. For sure. Also, it's really cool to hear how you've always followed your gut, really. I think that is um, very important for litigator in particular. Um, I remember once I was, um, it was my last criminal trial before I left the DA's office to join McDermott. It had been a very long case. It was a five-week trial. And uh, the day of the summations, I had been working on my summation since jury selection, because that's what any good trial lawyer does, right? You start taking notes and you throw them in a file and then you have everything you need for when you need it. It was a three-hour summation. The very high profile child abuse case, the press was there. You know, I knew I had to really give a show-stopping summation. And as we were breaking for lunch, the judge, who shall remain nameless, said, by the way, each side has half an hour for summation. I was passed out. So I said, but but, but, but judge, (laughs) I have a three-hour summation. This has been a five-week trial. She said, cut it. I didn't know what I was going to do because, you know, there was DNA evidence, there were experts, there was a very involved, complex case, and I had to win this case because the defendant in the case was a really bad guy. So I grabbed the judge's law secretary who knew me and liked me, and I said, look, this is there's no reason for this. I'll keep it moving. Please talk to her. And he did, and he got each side an hour. But remember, my summation was three hours. I remember turning to my colleague, who was my first boss in the DA's office, and saying, how am I going to do this? And she looked me in the eye. She said, no one knows this case like you do. Forget your notes. Forget what you wrote. Just do it. Best summation of my career. It was the best summation of my career. And it was a matter of just getting up there, speaking what I knew, and putting my heart into it. And and that makes a difference, let me tell you. Because you can prepare all you want. At the end of the day, stuff happens. And you kind of have to go, okay, <laughs> just going to go to plan B. And that's, that's what happened there. And that, too, was a very important lesson about being on your feet, trusting your gut, knowing that you got this all very important, particularly if you're doing any kind of uh, trial or litigation work as a, as a lawyer. Wow, that's such a cool story. Could you, what do you think, because um, now we're dealing with um, this global pandemic and also a lot of things have happened within the last few months, especially in the United States. What do you think that we can really learn from what has been happening? Oh, gosh. Um, I think that we're still learning <laughs> because we don't know where this is going to uh, or how this is going to end. Um, I would hope, I know for me, I've certainly engaged in this exercise and continue to do so. I would hope that most people have taken the time that the pandemic has afforded most of us being home, being with our families. Um, I would hope that people have been in a phase of contemplation about their lives, about their careers, about what matters, what really matters. Um, Maybe take away from it a sense of 
you know, I, we don't have to be this rigid. It's like getting up and, you know, getting on the train, going to the office and, and doing your work in the office. You know, I have always been a proponent for some remote work arrangements. And I have to say, I'm more productive than ever being home. I don't have to deal with the commute. I put on my shorts and my t-shirts every day. You know, I go into my home office and I don't have the same kinds of distractions or interruptions that I might have when I'm in the city and in my office. And there's a calm, notwithstanding all the uncertainty and notwithstanding all of the you know, heart-wrenching stories that we've heard of, of you know, country men and women who have died and been sick and the, the countless number of, of Americans who have lost their jobs and, and don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I don't mean to in any way diminish that the country is in trouble. For me personally, I have felt that this has been a break that I certainly would have never taken had it not been forced upon me. I have come to think of it in some ways, notwithstanding that I'm busier than ever and I'm billing and I'm in the middle of the litigation as we speak that's being done by Zoom, notwithstanding all of that, it feels like it was a something of a sabbatical, maybe a sabbatical from our regular routine. And it's been important to take that time and it's important to sometimes stop working a bit earlier or get out and take a walk or sit with a neighbor and chat. Things that I never seemed to have the time to do when I was commuting and going to the office. So I mean that's you know those are a few small scale examples. My hope is that out of this, we will make big changes. Big changes, not only in the legal profession, but big changes in our country and in our world. We have a lot of things that are broken that need our attention. And lawyers, we're in the unique position of really being able to, to have an impact and to effectuate that change. You know, that's why I love being a lawyer. And it's why I went into the law, you know, when I decided in eighth grade, this is it. This is where I'm going. And I never looked back. And I don't, I don't regret it. Not, not at all. Incredible. Notwithstanding what we've spoken about already, but if you had any feedback or advice for your colleagues, what would you say? About getting involved in the legal profession or just in, just in, in general? general, if you were to speak to our community, what would you, what would you say? Um, I would probably say challenge yourselves and don't be afraid. You know, most people are wrapped up in, you know, these these conversations in their heads about, well, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I didn't go to the right schools. Uh, you know, maybe I don't come from the right socioeconomic background, you know, blah, 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 blah. You can fill in the blanks. You know, you get you get the gist. I think that all of that is sheer nonsense. I think that we are self-determining human beings in a lot of respects, not all respects, but in a lot of respects. And I think that if we set our sights on a particular goal, then chances are we're going to, to achieve it and accomplish what we want. The only thing that really holds us back is us. 
And so whatever it is that you want for yourself, career-wise, life-wise, don't hold yourself back. Because a lot of what trips us up is this idea that, you know, other people are saying things about us that will prevent us from getting where we want to go. And, and that's just nonsense. You're the problem. <laughs> You're the one that's holding your back. You're the one that's got the limited thinking or the negative thinking. Don't do it. Just give it up and challenge yourselves to go further or to at least go and take steps toward whatever goal it is you've selected for yourself. Amen. You have to be the change you seek. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a tagline that's been a little overplayed lately, but really, if you break it down, it's, it's, it really rings true. You know, you, you have to be your own stand for what you want and, and believe. And hopefully it aligns with the betterment of humanity. Lisa, as we close this out, I do have a final question for you. And it's more so geared toward the, towards the future. What do you wish for the future of the practice of law? Wow, that's a big question. Um, when I decided to become a lawyer all those years ago, what appealed to me in addition to the idea that I would be helping and giving back was my view of the legal profession. As a young person, and I, you know, I remember this, I remember thinking this, as a young person, to me, someone who was a lawyer was just, just at the pinnacle of professional life. To be a lawyer, to have the smarts and the ability to articulate a position and advocate for the underdog and you know, all of those things, that's what to me being a lawyer meant. And being a member of a profession that historically was considered such a noble profession was all very, very appealing to me. The ideal that that represents is still very appealing to me. And there are aspects of our profession that I think still measure up using that metric, if you will. But law has also become a business. And with the advent of the billable hour paradigm, starting in, I think it was the late 60s, in many ways, we have commercialize the practice of law to such a degree that I think sometimes we take our eye off why most of us went into the profession in the first place and what our responsibilities as lawyers are. So in terms of the future, I would like us to get back to what I feel are the core values of this profession. Lisa, thank you so much for being a part of the Inspired Attorney. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, delighted. And I'm so happy we know each other now. Me too. Thank you for watching. Would love to hear your key takeaways from our conversation with Lisa. Also, if you want to be notified when the next episode is released, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and the little bell so you do get a notification or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. As always, if you are seeking further strategic guidance, please do reach out to me or utilize the content that I have made available to you.